Welcome, welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the program for this special edition of Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. I hope that you will stay with us because I think you're going to enjoy this program, especially in this time we're in of uh, basically trying to figure out who we're going to do next, where we're going to go. Uh, are we going to reinvent ourselves and how are we going to do that? And um, what are the steps that we need to go through? Uh, we're going to talk about that on the program with our very special guest here on the special edition. It's called, uh, the book is entitled, The 20-Minute Networking Meeting, Learn to Network, Get a Job. Nathan Perez is my guest, uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, this work that he and his co-author, Marsha Bollinger, is, uh, uh, who has a Bollinger, who has a, a, a Ph.D., uh, Nathan, thank you so much for uh, joining, uh, for, uh, <laughs> I, I got stuck on the words here. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program. It happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Richard. It's really good to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I have not attended any actual meetings online. Uh -huh. All right. I've produced programs such as this one online. We're using Zoom, folks. I, I mean, on the one hand, who isn't? Well, there are a few people who aren't, and that's fine. You use whatever works best for you. <laughs> um, but I've always had um, a problem with networking uh, because I always felt, I felt, there was a level of disingenuousness about it because at least from the way it was presented to me, the whole sole purpose was to get something out of the other people that you were quote unquote networking with. I always had a problem with selling advertising because the, the bottom line was the bottom line. And yet I was always told, oh, no, you're, you're establishing relationships. But for what purpose? You know. And it's taken me a long time to make a shift. Uh, talk to us about that, that mindset that I know a lot of people have, that they go into sales not to create relationships for the purpose of creating relationships, for the purpose of having a community and a network, but for the purpose of making money, which, again, mm. there's nothing wrong with. I, I, don't get me wrong, but I always, from my idealistic viewpoint, always thought that was... It just didn't seem right to me. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Well, maybe maybe the best way to start is establishing what networking is not. Ah. Uh, and what and what networking is not is is about kind of what you said. It's not being all you know slick and smooth and hey and dropping names and being kind of all salesy. Uh, networking really is just about the obtainment of information and information exchange. Um, now, there are many different purposes for networking and there are many different outcomes for networking. But the truth is, as you're sitting there in the meeting, everything that happens from the beginning of the meeting to the end of the meeting is just about information. Somewhere in between there, we might come up to, you know, we might come to an agreement uh, about what the outcome is going to be. And so you get something out of the meeting. But in the meantime, it really is just about information exchange. 
And to that end, um, I think when people think of networking, well, networking sort of has this like negative connotation to it, right? Because we think it is being a slick and smooth or salesy or, or whatever mm -hmm. else. Um, but the truth is, is that it's, it, well, it's kind of like what I just said. It, it's, it's more about just the, the information exchange where we actually tend to put behaviors on it. So the behaviors would be being slick and smooth and working a room and name dropping and being salesy. But that's just our perception on the whole thing. But really, it's just it, it's just information exchange. OK. And I was taught <clears throat> in a multi-level marketing program uh, that information is power. Mm. And I would have to say that uh, there's certainly some truth to that. But the question actually is more important, what kind of power? And we've seen in just the last few years in our own country, let alone around the world, how information has been used uh, almost as a weapon. It's been, yes. you know, information has been weaponized. It's not just used to, to uh, gather information. And then, of course, there are people who have a problem with uh, people gathering information about them. And, and here's the rather interesting uh, dichotomy, I'll call it, or paradox even. When you go online uh, and you go to a website and you sign up for something, let's say you sign up for an account, even if it's free, there are terms mm. and conditions. Now, right. the traditional uh, response to who reads those terms and conditions? I mean, really, have you ever sat and read that whole thing, the fine print? Uh -huh. Nine times out of ten, no, never read it. But somewhere in there, and I remember seeing a 60 Minutes piece on this, they actually scrutinized terms and conditions of a lot of very popular websites in particular, let alone free software and so forth, that basically you are giving away your personal information and you don't even realize it. And then you're even told that and you continue to do it. You don't read the terms and conditions. You still agree and so on and so forth. And so when people get upset about somebody collecting information on them, I'm going, I'm sorry, you don't have a leg to stand on. You gave that away because you refused to read the terms and conditions. Right. So when it comes to information, do we need to define what information we are talking about? Yes. Yes, this is very important. It's going to dictate exactly what your networking meeting would like, any kind of meeting really uh, is going to look like. And that information, or I should say the questions that you end up asking in a networking meeting mm -hmm. is um, it is completely reliant on the research that you have done uh, ahead of time. Right. And, and in this context and what we're talking about is you're hoping to gather a specific kind of information from any one particular person that you are meeting with. Mm -hmm. So if you do all this research, so, for instance, if I do research on you, Richard, and I know you do podcasting and you've been in radio uh, and maybe a, a few other things, then my questions are probably going to be geared around podcasting and radio or maybe those other things. Mm -hmm. I want to know this very specific stuff from you. So it's not uh, you're not really flying blind and, and trying to figure out what it is uh, that you're trying to figure it out. You're already prepared to to ask for this information by way of the question development. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's and it, then that information. Um, I was going to say that that information is what is that what takes us to the next step and whatever it is that we're trying to achieve, especially through the networking. 
You know, it's uh, multi-level marketing um, has always had a bad name. Um, from uh, and and I I've I was I think a part of one. I was actually suckered into going going to an Amway meeting. They wouldn't tell me what it was about, and it's like when I got there and I found out what it was, I was ticked. Not that they don't have good products, but because of the, the formula they use for bringing people in and doing all that stuff. And the uh, same thing existed. I went to work for a multi-level marketing company, but I worked on the inside. Now, uh, this is where I heard the phrase over and over again, information is power. What they produced was an audio tape and booklet series on how to um, get your entrepreneurial business moving forward. Now, uh, then I worked for another company when I moved to Santa Barbara that kind of did the same kind of thing where they sold these monthly subscriptions to these booklets for buying, um, I think initially it was buying houses. And then they added to it buying cars. And the real irony for me was that I hated the job because I just didn't feel like the people that were calling us because they were inbound calls really needed this thing there was other there were other ways a real estate agent in particular when you're talking houses and and what have you but people would call up they would put the stuff on their credit card and so forth the irony for me hating that job was i was really good at it in the last mm. three weeks i was in the bonus room which is like a raised fishbowl off a uh, room where they served you lunch and a lot of other perks and, you know, and again, my sales were through the roof. Uh, mm -hmm. And I remember telling my dad how much I disliked the job. And he says, Richard, you could sell ice cubes to Eskimos. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> and I, I thought about that for a while. And I thought, well, yeah, but do I want to, you know? And um, right. so this is, is uh, the, the point I'm trying to bring out here that I want you to talk about is I've heard this also. No matter what you're doing, no matter who you're talking with, you are in sales. Even hmm. if there isn't a monetary exchange, you're trying to sell something, an idea, a concept, hmm. a philosophy, yourself to prospective mate or partner. We're, we're always selling. We don't know hmm. what the exchange will be. And then there's the universal principle that there is always an exchange. You cannot escape it. The universe right. is going to see to it that there is an exchange. You may not like mm -hmm. it, especially if you are in your ego and you're trying to pull something over like Bernie Madoff or the guy who's, mm -hmm. who's named after the Ponzi scheme. All right. Went to jail. There's the exchange, kids. So talk right. to us about that aspect of networking. And again, using your, your definition there of networking, and sales in that context. Right. Well, I think that's the big difference between, you know, how I, uh, I mentioned how people kind of view networking, where it can be that salesy thing, and then what it really, really is built on, which is relationship building. And there's a huge difference, especially on the other side of the table. So when someone sits across, across from someone else and, and their approach is to sell themselves, well, you know, that we can feel that. We can feel this is more like a sales pitch. What do you want from me? You know, what, what's this going to be all about? But 
Um, I think any salesperson and, and someone who's particularly good at it will tell you actually what's at the foundation of good salesmanship is the relationship building, mm. getting to know someone. There is a very, very important, there's two elements um, to, to relationship building, and that is trust and familiarity, right? And the more that we talk to one another, um, the more familiar we get with one another, whether that's sitting in one meeting or if it's over the course of time, but the more that we actually get to know more about one another, the more familiarity, the more familiarity, the more that seeds trust. And then once you have the, once there is trust and familiarity, then anything else that you may be quote selling, well, now people are a little more willing to listen. But if from the outset it's about selling, then that's what your whole meeting is going to be about. In fact, not just your meeting, but it will define your relationship. That's what that's how it all starts. Mm -hmm. and, and in terms of relationship building, if that's how you're going to start, then that's how people are going to view you going forward. It's kind of hard to walk back from that too. If your first meeting was about a sales pitch and then you know your next meeting you meet up that's exactly what the expectation is already going to be this is going to be more sales as opposed to just having a discussion yeah now i i have often tried i remember um <clears throat> my first sales job which was my only official sales job i was hired by a radio station to be the program director well the program director has nothing to do with sales but i was hired through the sales department because they hadn't yet fired their existing program director. Uh. Now, he and I became friends, and he also knew exactly why I had been hired. Not that he had been told, but he just, it was pretty obvious. And he and I actually mm. became friends so that when I was hired and he was let go, he was still there to support me and assist me through the process of, uh, of learning the, the ins and outs of that particular station's procedures. So I wow. was very, very happy about that aspect of it. Not happy about... Uh, the fact that th this was done rather surreptitiously, you know? Yeah. So uh, that was very unfortunate. But However, the day that I was called back to the radio station to assume the position, I was actually on the road heading for my very first sales call that I was had the contract ready to be signed. And I had to... I, oh my gosh, I was so frustrated because I was so excited about getting this signed and getting a check and, and oh great, we got some new advertisers on the station. And I'm going, I can't believe I have to let this go, you know. But yeah. be that as it may, sometimes that's the way it goes. Now, when it comes to this aspect of the 20-minute uh, uh, network meeting, uh, I would assume, forgive me for assuming this, that many network meetings go on a lot longer than that and that this is actually a short version that you've created, right? That's right. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think most people kind of think that networking is supposed to be, you know, at least an hour long or the longer the meeting, uh, the better. And that's really not the case. In fact, that's usually why people say no to networking is because it's not a great use of, of either person's time. Uh, you know, so and, and, and lots of broken promises, too. Right. So, hey, I just, you know, 20, 30 minutes of your time. That's that's all. And then the next thing you know, it's an hour. But if you really think about what you end up discussing, what the real importance uh, of, of the meeting is all about, then you realize that that can be distilled down into, into 20 minutes. So if you, for instance, you think about a, a typical sitcom, that's 30 minutes, mm -hmm. including um, including commercials. 
Um, even that's kind of long, but you take out the commercials and you get down to the real plot line and then you have a really, really short meeting or short show. And it's the same thing in this case. Um, you're just getting kind of right to the goods. But the way that this is designed and constructed, it's meant to actually help you have a very informative and reciprocal networking. And, and it's just in 20 minutes. Hmm. You know, uh, we are being sold left and right through social mm. through through our online presence as well as television radio newspapers billboards not as much because uh, especially on the highways because most of the states have banned them because they're an eyesore in in some instances i've seen some commercials that are horrible especially some local commercials especially television where it's like why are you wearing that? You, you're, you, you're, you're standing on a white stage. And this was an actual commercial. And this one guy, he was just standing there talking about the product. Didn't look real impressive to me. Looked like he had just gotten out of his truck or something. And yet the product that he was talking about was a little bit more than, you know, what someone would be talking about. And it's like the shirt tails were out, his dirty jeans. And again, I don't know what point they were trying to make with the appearance. And then, of course, I'm listening to the script. I'm listening to the words. And I don't hear a real coherent delivery. You know, it's, it's like, mm -hmm. who wrote this? You know, a five-year-old? Right. Although there's some right. pretty intelligent five-year-olds out, five out there, and I don't want to disparage five-year-olds, mind you. But um, when, when we are, whether it's online, like in Zoom. Now, for example, I like your background. All right. You got a Thanks. nice shirt. All right. Nice trimmed beard, just like me. I uh, got the hat. Your hair looks good. Your background looks great. You're sounding good. Hey, I think you've got it together. And you which means you care about what you are. And I'm going to use the word selling. OK, use since we're going to sure. use the broad definition thereof. Yeah. I feel I've done the same. Got my hat, which is my sort of my trademark. A nice flannel shirt. You can see the microphone boom, but you see a nice little background here. I wish it was real because if it was, I'd be in Ireland talking to you from there. <laughs> oh, that'd be so nice. <laughs> wouldn't it, though? Hey, you know what? Let's skip this and let's go. All right. I'll meet right. you at the airport. Right, you got it. I'll meet you at the I'll airport. I'll meet you there. <laughs> uh, but is, is there a real problem that you see with people uh, working on developing those relationships in networking, but you kind of see that they're really not committed. They're not serious about it because of, say, let's say it's on Zoom or other platforms. The background, it's, it's a messy kitchen uh, sink with yeah. dishes all over the place. Uh, unkempt, uh, they're maybe in their pajama tops or something, you know. Um, yeah. And so on and so on. And I mean, the list goes on. How do you encourage individuals to show that they care not only about what they're selling, but about themselves? Right. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's obvious right from the very beginning. Right. So we're talking um, you just mentioned like production values, what, what it looks like behind me, how I am dressed how I sound, all of these things. This is critically important stuff. I network with a, a few hundred people per year. 
And right from the outset, because, you know, when, when you're in person, there's a lot of other things to be looking at that distract us from exactly what's in front of us. But in, in, with video in particular, you've got them right here. So anything that's within this little window is everything that is said about you, even before you begin to speak. I have been on meetings where, where you know, a, a person's laptop is, is sitting down. So that means that the camera is pointing right up. Uh, and, and, and a whole different, yeah. But if you just think about what that would look like in person, if you were to sit in front of them and, and, and sit down at an angle and look up at them, that's a whole different meeting. And, and that's exactly how your whole meeting is going to start. That's the impression that you start with. And the longer the meeting, the longer that particular impression is. And why that's important in the big picture is because, you know, that meeting might go fairly well, but that's going to stick. Is it, you know, is this person going to come into the workplace and not be aware of these kinds of things? And, you know, everything that is said right here without any words that says that can say a lot about the person themselves. If I'm wearing a really wrinkly shirt or something like that, that can make the other person think, well, how well prepared is this person in the workplace when their shirt, you know, isn't even ironed and, and I'm looking up their nose and, and the camera? <laughs> You're listening to a special edition of Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan here with uh, Nathan Perez, co-author of the 20-minute networking meeting, Learn to Network, and then get a job, all right? Get out of here and get a job. Yeah. You know, job. You're, you're just, you're mooching. You're mooching. So stop mooching and get a <laughs> job. <laughs> and uh, we are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We also have podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations, number one, too numerous to mention, and number two, because you folks are reposting our interviews in other locations. We are also on YouTube with a video version of, I like to call it a video cast. I think that's what they're called, uh, on YouTube. Uh, Richard Dugan, tell me your story the channel just look for the guy with the hat okay that's my trademark and uh, we hope that you will also uh, find this program so interesting that you'd like to support it financially uh, we have a paypal account that is for your security as well as ours and we thank those who have supported us in the past thank you thank you thank you we also thank those who will support us in the future. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We also ask you to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, and go within, spend time in that quiet, calm, peaceful place where you can find the inspiration, the encouragement. You can rejuvenate, re reinvigorate yourself, refocus on what's important to you, and listen to that still, small voice. It never puts you in harm's way. It'll challenge you. It's challenged me on some of my own personal philosophies and beliefs, but that's what it's there for, to help you move through all of the experiences in your life. And, um, and it, it, you know, like I said, I've been prompted to do things that were absolutely contrary to what my mind, my intellect says I should do. I went ahead and I followed that prompting. And I've had situations where if I hadn't followed that prompting, things would have been even worse. Okay? Mm -hmm. So it might minimize a certain situation. It might eliminate it. You might avoid an accident. I have no clue as to whether it was a prompting or not, but I went down that one street and I ran into somebody in a, with my car. It was his fault because he was pulling out and watching oncoming traffic. And I ended up having to get that car. It was totaled. Uh, the insurance paid off. We were able to buy a truck and so on and so on and so on. So 
don't don't discount it. I guarantee you, you will uh, benefit from it. We're talking with Nathan Perez, and he is our guest here on the program, talking about the 20-minute networking meeting. Why 20 minutes? Why not even shorter? Or, or or can you not accomplish enough in less than 20 minutes? Uh, you actually can. Yeah, this is not a hard and fast rule. It doesn't mean it has to be 20 minutes. It can be longer than that. Uh, if it were ever to be longer than that, you you would hope that your uh, your contact is leading that. And even at the 20 minute mark, you check in and say, hey, so Richard, I just want to make sure I want to be sensitive to your time. Are you still good? Because I promised you 20 minutes. Uh, is it good to keep going? And you'll either get a yes or a no. Right. So your meeting is either going to close up or you can keep going. But that's because of your contact, mm. because the whole purpose of keeping it 20 minutes is to be respectful respectful of someone's time, yet have this really informative meeting. And it can absolutely be shorter. Um, that's kind of a case by case scenario. Mm -hmm. um, some people you might just know really well, you might have been talking to them quite a bit recently or whatever else. And so you don't have to get into the goods uh, that would carry a full 20 minute networking meeting because there's already familiarity between you. So for instance, one of the steps is giving an overview of your background. If you've already done that, that can be a much, much shorter meeting. Um, and maybe sometimes someone has a request and says, hey, uh, I've got 10 minutes. Can you do that? Yeah, absolutely. You can do it. But this means then, right, you have done the research on the person and their organization so that you are informed enough to have the conversation um, and, and keep it at a minimum. Hmm. We are discussing this book and its concepts and its philosophies. I have. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even realize this. I actually have the professional edition, ladies and gentlemen, of the 20-minute network meeting. Um, I want to talk a little bit here in this segment about, and I'm going to go to the table of contents, the 20-minute network meeting cheat sheet. And uh, yes. you have five steps. Let's go through those five steps uh, in this segment here. Sure. Start sure. with number right. one. So, <laughs> number one. Number one is, is a great first impression of yourself in the meeting, right? And this is really simple stuff. All it is is your introduction and maybe there's a little bit of small talk. And don't remember, small talk is not a, a bad thing. What you're doing is you're finding commonality. And it could be as simple as, wow, you've got a really nice view in the office. How long have you been here? Or that painting, I kind of recognize it. Is that, you know, who would that be? Do you, do you happen to know the name? Whatever it is. But you're just sort of making your way in into the meeting. Um, and then step two, this is uh, the snapshot of your background. This can be around 30 to 60 seconds. Um, 60 seconds is what we have in the book. And, um, and what you're doing is it's just a brief description of your background. It's comprised a little bit of what you've been up to, some highlights from your background, um, and some other specifics around it, including maybe past titles. Now, for those of you that might be in sales or, or business development, for instance, maybe part of it's about you, maybe the rest of it is more about why you're there, mm -hmm. right? Maybe it might be about your organization or, or, or your products or uh, what have you, but it's really short, right? The idea here is between 30 and 60 seconds, um, is that you're reserving all of your time for the great discussion. And the great discussion is step number three. That's the bulk of your meeting. It's around 12 to 15 minutes long. Um, and it's comprised of five key questions. All right, and the first three, I'll talk about four and five, but the first three are very specifically designed for your contact. The idea here is that you're hoping to kind of get the unique wisdom or knowledge that perhaps only that person could give you. 
Now I'm going to contrast that. So for example, if you are trying to inform yourself around your job search or career development or sales, business development, um, whatever it may be, you can read all kinds of books and you can and read all kinds of posts and listen to podcasts and all these things. But what you're doing is you're trying to kind of piecemeal together some meaning for yourself. Mm -hmm. But when you meet with people, that's the shortcut. You're sitting across from someone who may already be in the position or have walked the walk and has very specific uh, answers to your very specific questions. So that would be steps, or, or I'm sorry, yeah, questions one through, three, one through three. The fourth question, and this tends to be the one that really throws networkers, yet is a major objective of your networking, and that is asking for more names, mm. more people to network with. And people kind of freak out about this. They don't want to, you know, people people don't want to give names. And this is already uncomfortable and all these different excuses. But we got to try to remember if that person said yes to your meeting in the first place, uh, that means that they want to help you. Mm. So they're likely to help you out there. Right. Um, plus, it's a networking meeting. This is a question that's sort of expected to be asked, in, in, you know, in, in a networking meeting. And then the fifth question um, so if that, that last one is what kind of throws the networker, this is the one that surprises the con your networking contact, but in the most positive way. And that and this is the end all be all. When you have a networking meeting, even if it's short, something happens, the phone rings, whatever else, this is the last question that you want to ask in the meeting. And the question is, how can I help you? How can I help you? This is really undervalued in the business world. Uh, the business world tends to be kind of transactional. You know, you've got something I want. I've got something that you want. Uh, maybe that involves some money. We do some exchange and then kind of off we go. But if we're talking about networking being relationship building, this is a critical, critical question to ask. And what it does is it allows people to kind of um, remember, remember, they remember you fondly. Um, because you're that kind of person who is in that meeting. And when people remember you fondly, they tend to remember you first professionally. So you always, always want to ask this question. Uh, and then after that, so those are the, that's um, the discussion. That's step three. And, and it's comprised of all of that. Uh, step four is just wrapping up the meeting. No long goodbyes. If you're on video, you wave, you know, you say goodbye. If you're in person, you shake hands. And then the fifth one, you tip a hat. You, you you do a cheer. <laughs> you might even hug each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and then the fifth step is following up. Is just following up afterward. There are two kinds of follow up. There's immediate, so that's right after your meeting, and then over the course of time. Um, but it's just those simple five steps. And the way that we've constructed this is that each step has a time limit, mm -hmm. and that's what keeps you at that twenty minutes. Yeah. Now you don't necessarily have to set an alarm clock. You just have your clock there and 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 just be mindful thereof. It's the same thing here. Uh, All about mind. Exactly. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, and we are talking with Nathan Perez, and he is a co-author of the uh, best-selling, and I, you know, I keep finding new things on the cover, Nathan. Uh this is a signed copy, folks. I actually received a signed, thank you so much, signed copy of the 20-minute networking meeting, uh, Learn to Network and Get a Job, uh, here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We hope that uh, you will enjoy this. And uh, the website, we need to give people a website to go to so that they can find out more about uh, what it's all about. Where should we send them, Nathan? 
you can go one of two places. You can go to 20mnm.com. So 20mnm stands for 20-minute networking meeting. Uh, or you can go to nathanaperez.com. You'll see more about me, but you also read about the books there as well. Can I get a packet of 20 M&Ms uh, while I'm there? Sure. <laughs> if chocolate's your thing, Richard. I'll get, uh, <laughs> well, there's a special spot there for you. <laughs> Fantastic. We are talking with uh, Nathan uh, Nathan Perez, who uh, is co-authored uh, with his... Uh, now, I'm curious as to why... Uh, is is it just because of her schedule that she has not been able, hasn't been able to join us on this particular program? Uh, Marsha uh, Bollinger, Ph.D.? Ballinger. Uh, Marsha Ballinger. Yeah, Ballinger, Ph.D. That's true. She has... Um, so what you're seeing here is two different things. So Marsha has uh, a firm of her own, mm -hmm. and she does her, her stuff. And then with the speaking, I speak professionally on this material and mine. So once in a while, um, we've, we've been together a couple of times, but usually it's just each of us, uh, you know, spreading the, the word on, on the material um, individually. I'm curious, too. I'm, I'm looking at the cover. You've got a clock up there. She has the the hour hand at five and the minute hand at four, which is 20 minutes. Uh, nice, nice piece there. And what looks like the inside of a, a, an office space, uh, maybe not exactly a meeting going on, looks more like a break room per se. Uh, but I know that even through imagery, and we talked about this in terms of, for example, production values and then this Zoom uh, video cast that, that most people, uh, most everybody can watch on YouTube. Um, but even on the cover of a book, let alone, say, your business card, which I know a lot of people... I haven't ordered many business cards lately because well, you haven't been able to give them out. Um, but your, your online presence, uh, as well as your production values in your videos and so forth, all of that is really important in that respect. Uh, are there certain things, especially when we're talking about images, again, website, book, etc., aside from production values in audio and video, that uh, the mistakes that you have seen people make, again, that go back to that aspect of, I understand that you don't have a lot of money, but you still need to show that you care about what you're doing. Uh, you, you know, yes. no, if you're writing a children's book, okay, it's okay to do your business card in crayon. However, you're dealing with CEOs and Fortune 500 companies, crayon ain't going to cut it. Right, right. Yeah, when it when it comes to dress and design, you want to dress and design according to how you want to be portrayed by the world. It kind of goes back to that first impression thing that we are talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm if I'm you know super professional and I've had all of these wonderful experiences, but I come in all wrinkled, and you know I have an open closet that's behind me, no one's really going to listen to the experiences in the same way um, because you're showing us something that doesn't reconcile with what we're we're, we're seeing, right? It's kind mm -hmm. of like saying and, and doing different things. Same thing. Mm. Well, it's a very important aspect, I think. And even though, all right, a flannel shirt, it's not, not too bad looking, but it beats a tank top in the, you know, especially from my <laughs> perspective. And okay, all right, I'm dating myself. Maybe I'm a little jaded at the age of 60, okay? Um, I try to keep my beard trimmed. I did have a period of time where it was it was coming out pretty good there, and I finally ah uh, looked too right. much like I just came off the mountain. I need to trim that back just <laughs> a touch. Um, but it just seems to me, and I, I I get it for Santa Barbara, and this it kind of bothered me at first when we would see people who, and this was obviously before 2020, would come into the office for a business meeting, sales meeting, what have you. Um, Tommy Bahama shirt, uh, shorts and flip flops. 
And I'm not saying they got to come in a suit and tie. But it's just like, all right, I, I get that the we're more laid back here on the South Coast. I, I Okay, I can appreciate right. that. But that just doesn't speak to me in that regard. I'm not going to reject anybody for it, but it, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I mean, okay, maybe their shorts were pressed. Okay, they had a nice seam down the side. <laughs> and there were no wrinkles in the Tommy Bahama shirt. Um, right. I don't know. I, 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 and, and again, I guess it just depends upon where you are and, and maybe it the does. work you're doing. I mean, if you're working for a surf shop, okay, makes sense, right? Um, yeah, but, it's about, I think it's about, it, it is, it's, it's going to be case by case. So we can okay. use Silicon Valley as a, as a really great uh, example. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty laid back, you know, and, and people have worked from home for a very long time, but when they go into work, they're still kind of wearing what they were at home and that's accepted and it's now become part of the culture. Yeah. So if a Wall Street executive and he's all suited up and he's got his tie and everything on, he's going to be kind of the outside guy. Now, does that really matter? Um, not really, because he's still in a suit and tie and he's in a culture where everything's laid back, you know, wrinkled shorts and Tommy Bahama T-shirt. <laughs> but if it were reversed and someone decided to go, because it was the formality is what makes that work over in Silicon Valley. But if that same person with wrinkled shirts and Tommy Bahama goes over to Wall Street and shows up where everyone is kind of suited out, yeah. that doesn't work quite the same. And it still leaves the impression, okay, great, you've been successful in your career. That's why you're in our Wall Street office. Wonderful. But, hmm. And it's that little sideways look, right? It's that little thing. And I think what it really goes to show is your own awareness of where you are and what you're doing. You dress accordingly. If you've yeah. ever heard, um, uh, if maybe you've never heard that if someone requires a tie, right? If like a job interview requires a tie, you go one step beyond and you wear a jacket with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what you do. If it is going to be something that's going to be really, really casual, like you're in Silicon Valley and you know that people are wearing shorts and T-shirts, well, then maybe you can wear some slacks and a dress casual. Mm -hmm. It's just one knock up. Yeah. And then and then you're going to be good. Now, when I first started this job 13 years ago, full time, uh, I had I would wear slacks. I would wear uh, uh, dress slacks, different colors, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes even um, uh, what what? I want to say khakis, but they were nice. They were very nice. I, I, I would I, sometimes I would iron them and so forth. And I've always liked long sleeve shirts, so I had some nice long sleeve dress shirts, and I would have a t-shirt underneath. I do not know why after we moved here that I decided to start putting a t-shirt under all of my dress shirts, but it was just one of those things that I felt comfortable with. Hmm. Um, I have now shifted to a little more casual, but still nice shirts uh, you know nothing with holes in it and jeans okay uh levi's right. matter of fact 501s or 505s i guess it is one's got the zippers one's got the buttons uh and still i i look just fine a little more western but then again it kind of goes with the hat sure and it, it you know again i feel comfortable but i still feel enough business-like in that respect so yeah. Is it true that it is the clothes, and I'm going to be generic here, it's, it is the clothes that make the person? They usually, they, the phrase usually is, it's the clothes that make the man. Well, that there are women who are doing all of this stuff too, folks. So it's the clothes that make the person. Is that, uh, is that a, a, another uh, adage that, you know, you're going to feel differently 
And if you're going into a, a meeting like this, even if it's on Zoom, and I'm hoping that soon we'll all be able to get back in person, uh, that you need, like you said, you need to know who your audience, so to speak, or your fellow participants are going to be and what the dress code is and so forth. Uh, but also yeah. what you're wearing not only says a lot about you, but also speaks to you and how you feel. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that's what the inside is. I, w I wouldn't necessarily say that it's clothes that make the man. I think the clothes make the perception. Okay. And, and, and you know, and perception is, is reality. Yes. So um, if you are hoping to represent yourself and, and, and give a certain kind of impression, but you are dressing differently, you are going to give the impression according to what you wear. Should it work that way? Uh, probably not. We should be listening to each other a little more closely and not really care about that stuff so much. But look, again, perception is reality. And, and that first snapshot that we get of someone is how is going to set everything up going from that point. If you're complete strangers from one another, that's what's going to be remembered. You were better off actually dressing the way that you need to be for that one meeting and then dressing down subsequently because the first impression we have of you is that you are professional and you are in context for this particular culture here in Silicon Valley or on Wall Street. Um, but the other way around is going to have really the kind of the opposite effect. It's hard to come back from it and have people look at you differently than the first impression. That's why the first impression is so critical. It's why we hear about it all the time. Yeah. First impression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And perception being reality. I learned that specifically when we would do live remotes at one station and they always told us to be very Cog conscious of how you were setting up the the remote studio, if you will, outside, uh, because the way people see you and the station's equipment and banners and so forth and personnel is what they're going to think about you and think about us and whether or not they're going to they want to listen to what we have to offer. We're talking with uh, with Nathan Perez. And he has written the 20-minute network, uh, 20-minute networking meeting. It's and a mouthful. It, isn't it? it really is. <laughs> 20mnm.com is the website. We hope that you will go there. We encourage you to find out more about this work that he's doing. Nathan, why is why has this become? important to you what wh who cares about how long the meeting is or whether it's networking or uh in that respect uh that's a really good question i will tell you why i think it's become important to me and why it's becoming more important to everyone else so all of this networking stuff that we're talking about as we said earlier it's about relationship building and um when it comes to networking especially for career and job search between 70 and 80% of all jobs, okay, it doesn't matter the industry or your business, 70 to 80% of all jobs are obtained through the people that we know. And the people that we know comprise our network. Now, I'm, I'm really emphasizing that 70 to 80%. Um, and if it didn't, because we hear statistics all the time, and that comes from the US Bureau of Labor of Statistics, by the way. Um, but here's a different way of looking at it if that doesn't really strike you. 70 to 80% of all jobs are not posted okay 70 to 80 percent wow. of jobs are not posted yeah exactly that's huge what that means is the vast majority of opportunities out there aren't available to even look at and it also means that other 20 to 30 percent are available for your competition to look at 
So if you if you have been a person or if you've ever met somebody or know somebody who says, man, I can't even get a I can't get an interview. I can't even get a, a phone call. This is why. And what it does is it makes up what's called the invisible or the hidden job market. Um, and, and what that means is that it's all word of mouth. And so uh, networking, right, is all about word of mouth. Mm -hmm. It is critically important. Now, that's right here and now. But I can tell you this, too. With this whole thing that we've experienced in, in this last year, this craziness that's been going on, and then we've got all this news happening, and it's being called fake news and whatever that turns out to be, but like we're hearing different things from different areas, and it's going different directions, and, and no one can reconcile it. What has happened, and it's not to just us, uh, say, in this country, this is happening globally. What's happened is we've started to develop sort of this sense of distrust this distrust, what do we believe? And what that means is, as we go forward with our own relationship building, this is going to evolve too. The way that we listen to one another and the way that we talk to and communicate one another with one another is in the middle of this evolution. We are going to come around to caring more about that, really listening to what other people are telling us and, and, and being careful about what we are, how we're communicating with others. Mm. You know, that's that is uh, uh, one of the biggest challenges that we face these days. Uh, and I think you would agree with that because of the the fact that that people are choosing to, in a matter of speaking, believe whatever they want from whatever sources they might get that information from. Um, and so we also we have to come to a point where we say, OK, is this particular source of, uh, uh, um, uh, valid and are we in agreement to that fact? We're not saying it's perfect, but it seems as right. though we've got to start somewhere in order to be able to move forward uh, in, in, this, in this process. Um, and to that end, I want to share this, that... One of the things that folks are going to learn from, from this series of books called the 20-Minute Network Marketing uh, Book uh, is uh, one of the things that you wanna, you're trying to teach people, number one, is how to be concise. Now, a lot of times, and this is one of the reasons why I have had to learn how to be very concise in, in my response to compliments, it's because years ago, I used to explain uh, you know, uh, you know why it was the way it was, and when people were paying me a compliment. Well, thank you because I did this and da 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 blah 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 blah. And I began to get the energy back from the people that, that they didn't care much for that, you know. And mm. it went on too long. And I have, mm. I am the first one to admit, Nathan Nathaniel, uh, Nathan, that uh, I go on too long. Mm. All right. So I got to the point when someone pays me a compliment. If if the mind starts to roll, I stop it. I take a breath and thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yes. Period. End of story. End of statement. Now we move on. So being yes. concise, uh, I know there's another phrase called to laser beam it. But yet our heads are full of so much information that we want to share it all. So what are some of the techniques that you have developed and teach people to laser beam it, to be concise? 
Right. So when I work with clients and, for instance, when we talk about their professional background, um, what we feel we need to do, it's just an instinct. We feel like we need to explain everything. Um, but the truth is, is that we're all also capable of understanding what's really at the core of what all of these words that we're going to use. So what I'll tell a client is, OK, thanks for giving me all that background. Now, let's start with the first thing you said. Give that back to me in one sentence. Oh, gosh, that's going to be hard. Yeah, it might be for a second, but just give it a second. Think about it. And then one sentence gets spit out. Suddenly one paragraph is now just one sentence. Okay, great. Just hold on to that. We can build around it. Now let's go to the second part that you were just saying. Tell me in one sentence what that all means. And then it's one more sentence. So now we've got this four or five paragraphs. It's actually turned into four or five sentences. And when you think about it that way and someone says, you know, what do you do for a living for a living or, or what are your hobbies or what do you you know, what's, what do you do for fun, whatever it may be. Now you've got just sentences, little bullets. You say this, that and the other. And what happens from there is now people have the answer right up front. And from there, you can build on it. Typically, what happens in communication is someone will ask a question and then we'll give all of this explanation and then we'll give the answer. But if you flip it and you go ahead and give the answer first, now people understand what the answer is and then you can give more explanation around that. Yeah. So it's just asking yourself, how can I, what does this all mean, everything that I have to say in one sentence? And then here and then here and here. And then now you've got something real short to work with. Yeah. I know they also use the term elevator pitch. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Is, is that pitch, along the commercial. same lines? Yeah, a lot of different names oh, yeah. for the same thing. Yeah, let me actually, I'm going to say a few. So those those are listening and watching that you understand that it's all the same thing. So you got a 30-second snapshot, 60-second snapshot, 30, 60-second commercial pitch, elevator pitch. Sometimes you might be asked, so what's your story? Uh, it's all the same thing. What someone is asking for some kind of understanding of just who you are and what your background is, but it is all the same thing. Hmm. You also talk about uh, asking the right questions. That is one of the most frustrating statements when someone, they got two people dialoguing. Uh, one of them might be, uh, you know, the wise old soul, as it were, and the other person is is going on and on about, da, da, da. well, I did this and I did that. And Yes, but you're not asking the right questions. Well, if I knew what the right questions were, I would have asked. Right. So right. how do you determine what are the right questions? Well, you know, it doesn't come out of a book of rules oh, where these man. are called the right. I know, you, I know, mean, wouldn't it be you so mean much it's, easier? It's not in here? <laughs> That's right. But what is in there is the way to think about how to write, ask the right questions for yourself. Okay because you are seeking very specific answers. And if you've done the research on that person, what you're doing is developing the right questions for what you are seeking out of this meeting or this information exchange. Mm. Because then when you get down to what it is that you're really asking for and you ask that, boom, you get this great information that comes back at you. You are going to get the answers to the kinds of questions that you are asking. But the thing is, is that, you know, Richard, you and I are talking now and then I may have a conversation later and you too. But if we were to ask the very same questions of the same people, they're going to be the answers is going to be completely different. And then is it was it ever a right question and was it ever a right response? No, this is why the questions have to be specific so that you get the specific uh, answers that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I know, too, that uh, um, I will have a guest on multiple times and i will ask them the same question in each of the three interviews or whatever many it is 
And nine uh-huh. times out of ten, I will get a different response in each of those programs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's intentional because, as I said to my sister once about my personal beliefs, they're not the same to yesterday, today or tomorrow because I'm still alive. Right. I'm still growing. Right. I'm still experiencing. I'm still curious, you know, and I've gotten some answers to some of my questions, which have raised more questions and so on and so forth. So one Can of I the talk other, to that really, please. Quick, no, go right ahead. Um, so yeah, there's such thing. And I had, I said earlier when I kind of went through all the different steps of the meeting, um, mm-hmm. you, the idea is to develop very specific questions, right. For very specific people, but there also is such thing as asking a single question of multiple people for multiple perspectives on a single thing that is important to you. Mm-hmm. So we're not saying that you can't use the same question uh, with different people, because just like you said, um, you're going to get different kinds of responses. And even, you know, we're human. So anytime that even when we go to give a response, we will give a specific response to the specific question. And that may be succinct. But the truth is, is that while we are actually answering that question, three, four, five other things are occurring to us along the way, but we keep ourselves narrow to be specific in our answer. But the truth is, is there's still more answers along with what that person was thinking in the first place. So I would imagine this is, this would be why you could ask the same question of the same guest multiple times and have different responses is because it's not always just one thing. And as a tip, anytime that you have a discussion and you're kind of all done with that discussion, one of the powerful questions you can ask in summary is, can you think of anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that, that that's an invitation for people to give you more response on that singular uh, response that they gave you the first time. I think one of the great questions in interviewing is, uh, so Nathan, uh, we're at the end of the show. Is there anything that uh, you feel we've missed? Or is there a special message that you would like uh, to impart to our listeners? And, uh, and then, of course, again, that opens that, opens that same door. Uh, yes, and again, exactly. you, I would venture that you would follow the same rule as in interviewing, and that is you always want to ask open-ended questions, meaning do not ask a question that only requires a yes or no answer. Yes, super important. You're hoping to have a discussion, right? It's the back and forth. That is the information exchange, whether this is an interview or this is a networking meeting. But if the purpose is to exchange information, you can't ask just yes or no questions. People want to help you, but they want to help you in the way that you're kind of asking for help. And if you're asking yes or no's, that's what they're going to give you. Some people might have the wherewithal to kind of maybe figure out what you're really, really asking, and then they'll give you that. But still, it's still like a stab in the dark. Um, So the more specific that you can be or ask questions that are going to be open ended and allow someone to talk, that is key. What about the mistakes? I know we've kind of addressed some of them in in talking about being concise and asking the right question. But uh, it seems to me that's a separate separate, uh, uh, statement about uh, common mistakes that are made in network meetings, networking meetings. I would say that the the three most common mistakes is there's there's no agenda, uh, that it takes too much time, and there's no reciprocity. An agenda is a planned discussion, right? And the whole purpose there, if we've talked about time being the real issue, an agenda is a planned conversation, is meant to kind of keep you on track. Mm-hmm. Lots of people kind of commit the, the 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 sin of just running all over the map. 
there's no organization to it. And that leaves an impression as to how organized you are with your meetings or, or maybe even your thinking. And then taking too much time, we touched on that. People think it takes an hour and it doesn't. And we wanna be uh, respectful and honor the time uh, of other people as well. Plus of course that impacts us, but the help, helping in return, um, you don't wanna commit the error of take, take, take with nothing to give in return. And you got to remember, too, because people are like, well, what do I give in return? Well, it's the same kind of stuff that you're getting from them. It's information. What you choose to do with that information is going to be up to you. And ultimately, whatever success you're going to have because you've done something with the information. But you really can't expect to sit down across from someone, have them give you their time, their expertise and their knowledge and, and whatever else, and not be able to um, help, be prepared to help in some other fashion. So it's no agenda. It, it is taking too much time and, and reciprocity, not being reciprocal. Mm. And quite honestly, that is one of the uh, universal principles that uh, that I speak about and, and certainly live by, and that is that there is always, I, I mean, you can codify it down into Einstein's statement. There's always an equal and opposite, re uh, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And sometimes yeah. it's not necessarily anything physical or material. It it's it still takes it's still uh, 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 that that principle is still in play, no matter what's going on, because there's an ebb and a flow in everything. And uh, when we start to recognize that, uh, I think that's real important. Now, I had mentioned earlier uh, to you and our listeners about this being the decade of perfect vision, encouraging people to go within and trust their intuition. Mm -hmm. How much of a role does that play in the context of running a, uh, a, a, a networking meeting or any meeting for that matter? Oh, it's it's huge. I, I run a, an online uh, career transition boot camp that's called What's Next. And it, it goes six weeks long. And throughout that entire six weeks, I tell people you have to listen to your gut. This is one of the most important things that you can do. Now, that's not saying um, hold a networking meeting off the cuff and then you listen to your intuition in the moment. You do need to be prepared for that meeting. But the thing is that intuition will tell you what kind of research you need to be doing. It'll tell you what kind of questions you want to develop for this particular person. Once you have that locked down and then you're actually in the meeting, and as you're going along, right, because I can ask you a question, uh, Richard, and, and you may give me a response, but I might ask you like a little bit of a follow up question on that first question. Mm -hmm. And that can be completely informed by your intuition. You should always listen to it. It's just like you said, it will guide you to the place that you need to be or to go. Um, even when our own mind at certain moments is going to completely disagree. It's really, really important. And again, everything that we're talking about in this context, this networking context is about relationship building and relationship building is all about people and people are all about being inside. Some are a little more aware and self-aware than others um, and some are not, but that is what is, is guiding us. So it is being prepped, but it's also listening to your intuition during the prep. And then in the meeting, it's carrying that meeting, but also listening to the intuition there that will carry you forward. Well, I, I tell you, this, this whole thing with meetings, um, I have one-on-ones on a regular, fairly regular basis, once or twice a week sometimes with my boss. Some stations I've worked for, none. You know, we never have one. Uh, right. And um, that didn't mean that we didn't communicate, although I will say that one of, one of, the, one of the biggest flaws in broadcasting 
that I have learned over the years is that broadcasters are the worst at communication within the company specifically. They're great on the huh. air. They're great in front of the microphone. But when it comes to <laughs> communicating within the company, within the station, uh, they're the worst. Uh, you know, it's like, why don't we just hold this meeting on air, okay? Then we can we can really, because we'll be in our element. We'll be, And I think that's part of the problem is that we're not in our element when we're sitting in a, in a staff meeting room. Ah, uh, you know? interesting. Yeah, you know, I think... Uh, here's a way of looking at it for those of you out there that really relate to what, what Richard just said. Um, we are always actually in our element. If we are just having conversation and we're relating to things and experience the other person is sharing, that is really no different than sitting across from each other in a coffee shop than if what you and I are doing right now. You and I might sound a little bit different. The, the energy might be a little bit different, but I imagine our conversation could be very similar to what we're doing right now over a cup of coffee. Rinse and repeat. That's just the way that it is. I've had the opportunity to see this over all industries, everything from Hollywood and broadcast to senior executives. And mm -hmm. it's the same, the same, the same. If you were just focused on the person and having a discussion, in which case, then you're always going to be comfortable and you're always in your element. Mm. Well, and obviously that's another element here of holding a meeting. And that is that you are comfortable. And I don't mean that uh, you know, you dress down. I mean, even if it's still a Zoom meeting, I, I've seen two, uh, there's this coffee commercial now that shows this guy with a mustache. And uh, the song is basically singing about what the problem is. And that is that they can see your thighs and you're wearing red boxer shorts and so forth. And all of a sudden he leans over, tilts the camera up and starts to pour a cup of coffee to try to deflect. And yet it's like what you said at the beginning of the program. Damage is already done. They have already yeah. seen what they didn't want to see. And and yeah. so that's why it's so important to be aware of um, be aware. <laughs> uh, you be aware of where your camera is uh, is pointing and how much it's showing. And again, that goes to the production values, even in a live meeting, even if it's not recorded, there are still production values that are involved. For that matter, even if you're just doing a phone meeting, if you're just on the phone, it's the same thing because you don't want extraneous noises around you to interfere with uh, the conversation that's going on, say, on a conference call. I know that that's a that's a big issue for a lot of folks as well. So, you know, I think it should be said, too, here that uh, when it comes to now that we all have video, you know, last year forced us all into using this uh, this tech. And the thing is, however conscious of it we may be, we've all grown accustomed to good production values mm. because we see movies, we see television, when we get on YouTube, the people that are doing it really well and so forth and so on, um, we can see the good production values. And again, we might not be so conscious of it, but we really can feel when the production values are not good. And that's camera placement, that could be mic placement, what our background is, our wardrobe, the lighting, everything. So it can't be taken for granted. Everybody to some extent feels this. Yeah, yeah. Why does uh, all of this even matter to you? I mean, I asked you earlier uh, of a sort of a related question, but I mean, you know, this is, um, you know, what's the big deal? I mean, people are going to hold their meetings the way they're going to hold their meetings. What's in it for you by going into all of this writing? And by the way, folks, there are three different versions of this book. I have the professional ver edition. There's also the executive edition and the graduate edition. We, we touch upon that before we wrap up, but 
Why does any of this matter to you? Why bother with this? Because, uh, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, business, uh, meetings and stuff. I don't, it's not me. I, I'm, I hate meetings. You know, I don't want to go. Even if it is on Zoom and I can leave my pants off and make sure the camera's tilted up right and all of that stuff. <laughs> it, is, it is really important to the human condition. We're changing. Um, and as we change, like this has been something that's building for a very long time. But this thing that happened in this last year, we're all going to feel it. And it's going to be around the planet. And, and it's changing um, our, our behavior and the way that we treat each other. But why this is important in business is because we can't actually do business without people. And people are at the crux of it. And when you're on the recruiting and hiring side and someone quits a job, mm -hmm. what, what is said in this world is that people don't quit their job. They don't quit their companies. They quit their managers. That mm. is a significant difference. I didn't want to leave the whole organization. I think it's a great organization. I love what they do, but my manager. And that was because of the relationship that was there. And it probably wasn't just that one person that felt that way. It was all the people around and it affects the culture. So with all, all this material and what we're talking about here, it is about the relationship building, even uh, inside, internally. It's, not, it's really not about just career development and job search. It's about how we're communicating and connecting with one another because we can't get anywhere. Um, we can't sell anything. We can't develop anything without the cooperation and help of others. It is all about just helping one another without expectation. Yeah. One of my philo personal philosophies uh, when it comes to working with other people in sharing the information, in doing interviews, in uh, doing uh, projects for people on an audio or audio video standpoint, or quite honestly, anything else, like this, after, this morning when I was uh, visiting a friend of mine, uh, there was a couple across, an elderly couple across the street who were backing their large Mercedes uh, it looked like a camper van, okay, uh, and it was huge. And they needed, uh, they needed, they, the woman came over and told me what they were doing because I was going to be backing out of the driveway across the street. And we're talking about a narrow, I mean a narrow street where you mm. have maybe a car and a half width. And so I'm sitting in my truck and I just finished uh, what I was doing and visiting and they started to back it up and uh, the woman was trying to help the gentleman to back the vehicle out of the driveway. They were coming downhill onto a roadway that was going up and curved. So the bottom of their bumper, rear bumper, was scraping the ground, the, the pavement. And he wasn't really going in the right direction and almost crashed into the curb across the street. This camper van, the road is no wider than this camper van is long. <laughs> well, my wife and I just bought a travel trailer, right, uh, a couple of years ago. 2019. And um, the first time we went to back it into position, uh, we went back and forth and we would switch. She'd drive and she'd get in the driver's seat and try to back it up. And I'd get it. And we were yelling at one another. And we knew we weren't mad at each other. We were just frustrated with the circumstances. So we stopped and we got out and we went into, into the house and watched YouTube videos to get some pointers. Well, I'm out there with this couple and I said, hold on just a second. Stop. And I had him stop. First of all, roll your window down because she was yelling at him through the window. I said, roll your window <laughs> down. Hard. 
close the door and let me see if I can help you because my wife and I have been through this. And even though it's a single vehicle and you only have four wheels on this thing, it's still not easy to move around. So I, in a way, I guided them and helped them and supported them and that kind of stuff. And they were able to get the vehicle parallel to the street, on the street, and go on their way to take it to get it serviced. And then I made some suggestions to them as far as how they should do this in the future when I'm not here because you can't call me and have me come down and help you because I live about nine miles away from you. Not that I wouldn't be willing to. Okay, mind you. But that the philosophy for that. Right. But the philosophy that permeates that experience and all others is. Nathan, I want to make you successful first, because if you're successful, then I'm successful, right? Yeah, right, right. I think we got to remember too, because I think sometimes someone can believe that success, the outcome of success will be, I don't know, monetary, but that isn't really the goal. What, where the success really is, is internally, how you feel. First of all, someone felt blessed and really good. Wow, someone knew something about this and they helped me. We're new at this and, and he helped me get this figured out and, and what to think about in the future. And then you walk away from it feeling like I've helped someone. Mm -hmm. And that continues to pass on. And what that can turn into is just simply, wow, Richard, now I know what kind of person you are. You're willing to help someone like this. And by the way, I have a company, I have a business, I have something, whatever else that I can give to you. And the reason I'd be willing to do that all is because I understand what kind of person you are. Um, and I like that. I want that in my life. And same with vice versa. And we do this again with person to person to person. And the world opens right up. Anything that you'd like to learn, anything that you'd like to know, whatever it may be, it just comes back to you in spades. But it really does have to do with the internal, uh, that internal thing inside of you. Absolutely. It's one of those aspects of our lives that we don't think about much. And that's one of the problems I know that a lot of people have. And again, this is the perception of businesses and especially corporations, the big ones, Fortune 100 mm. or Fortune 500 is they don't care about you. They don't care about what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and helping you. I mean, I, I we've all been through and probably are going through some financial struggles. So I've learned over the decades, my best tact is not to call up the credit card company or the utilities and scream and yell at the person on the other end of the phone because the other person on the other end of the phone has nothing to do with the rules. They're right. just taking the calls. They don't deserve right. to be spoken to that way. So I go in, I go in from the position of they've already said no. So the worst thing they can do is confirm that by saying no. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go in there with a great attitude, appreciation for the product or service they provide, and then say, look, I need some, I need some assistance. I need some support. I need some help uh, during this time. And uh, can you what is there a program you have available? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, maybe uh, the product I just received from Amazon, for example, not what I ordered or it's defective. And I call them up and I say, look, here's the situation. Of course, they have great protocol that they have set up. OK, no problem. Return it. And here's what you do. And dot, 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 dot. And problem solved. Your money will be refunded. And you don't generate because, again, it goes back to that for every action verbal or otherwise, there is always an opposite reaction. 
and that yeah. person. But even more than that, Nathan, and I'd love for you to talk to us about this, especially in the context of meetings, networking meetings. What you put out energetically. Sorry for putting your hand, my hand in your face. Uh, what we put out energetically goes out to the other individual or individuals and impacts them. You actually alluded to that a little while ago, uh, and I've shared this with my wife many times. She in, works in cardiology. She works with patients all the time, and she's worked with some very high-profile high individuals over the years. Used to work for Mayo in Phoenix in Scottsdale. And I always tell her when she gets down on the fact that she's not living her life's purpose and doing what's important, I said, you have no idea what that businessman or woman or individual that comes in there who's got the crankiest of attitudes because they had to get up so early to come in. Maybe they came up from L.A. for all we know. And mm. you treat them with such kindness and respect. And I'm not saying that she should. It's that's the way she is. And you might mm. turn them around where they will go to a networking meeting. Originally, they were going to go in there and they were just going to raise holy hell. Mm. And you've turned them around to where now their disposition is such that they are going to, through you, impact in a great way the lives of the people in that meeting. And then that has a ripple effect. Yes, the ripple effect. I was just going to say it's a it's a domino effect. It works. This, it's always works this way. Uh, and when it comes to meetings, um, it's something we actually state specifically in the book. When you go to ask that question, how can I help you? You got to be prepared because people are not prepared to be asked that question. And uh, I've been hearing this now. So the very first book was written in 2012. So all of these years, nine, almost 10 years, I have had uh, the fortune to hear what the what the reactions are to people and how that changed everything. Their 20 minute meeting suddenly became, oh, my gosh, because the reaction is, uh, I don't know how you could help me. No one has ever asked that. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and so and, you know, and if you're prepared and you can come up with a couple ideas or you you already are able to give something, an article or whatever else, it just blows people away because we're accustomed to people taking, taking, taking and not necessarily giving back. And then the people, lots of these same people who are holding these meetings are like, I don't know if I, I'm nervous about these meetings. I don't know how it's going to go, whatever. But then their reaction to the reaction that they get does the same thing. They're amazed. They're like, oh, my gosh, I felt so good after that meeting. I want to go and do it again. And look, no one got any money. It wasn't, no one got a business. No, one, it, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the effect. It's just what you said, action, reaction, except that we walk away from it now feeling really good about having just asked that question. And what it makes us want to do is ask the question again. And that person on the other side of the table felt what it was like to be asked that question and understands now the power of it. So now they can go out into the world and do the same thing. Hey, you know, how can I give you a hand? I'm familiar with this stuff that you're doing. Can I help you park that RV? <laughs> Whatever it may be. But um, we feel good. And it is that ripple effect. Yeah. They go away and they take it with them. Yeah. And then again, it, it spreads and spreads and spreads. And it seems as though we've, we, we, over the last few years, we lost that. I mean, it's not to say that that there weren't people out there doing that kind of support work. And certainly during this past year, uh, we refer to the heroes, the first responders in this case in the medical community. 
who have been just given and given and given. Uh, and again, it goes back to that universal principle. There is always an exchange. Always. You cannot. Yeah. There's nothing that you can do to escape it. And that's why as much as I love hearing the phrase, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if there isn't a receiver, there can't be a giver and vice versa. So enjoy mm. receiving as much as you do giving. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's not, especially if you can express your gratitude when you have received something because it validates that other person. And then again, same thing. It's that ripple effect. But you know, when someone gives a compliment, if, if it's difficult for some of us to, to accept a compliment, um, sometimes it's not so easy for people to give a compliment. And if they're shot down afterward, they give this compliment. Why do I want to go out there and potentially get shot down again when I go to give a compliment? Mm -hmm. But when you can genuinely, authentically say, thank you so much for saying that or for mentioning that, that's encouragement to the other person. You both feel really great. That person will continue to give compliments. And we might, too. We'll accept them and we'll go and give them. I hate to uh, date myself uh, using what might be to some obscure television references, but there's a great, a great dialogue between uh, Commander uh, 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 Number One. I can't remember his name now. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes played this in, in Star Trek: Next Generation, and Data, um, uh, Riker, Commander Riker, and Data, and it had to do with an episode regarding trust. And at the end of the episode, uh, he and Data are talking in, in uh, the Riker's quarters. And uh, he says, uh, Data says to him, says, well, you know, um, you know, you trusted this person and they they betrayed your trust. So wouldn't it be better not to trust? And Riker says, no. And Data's perplexed. And basically he explains, he says, because there are going to be times when, yes, your trust will be betrayed. But there will also be times when your trust will be respected. And mm. so that's what you, so to speak, live for, is those times. And hopefully right. the times of betrayal are fewer and farther between than the times of uh, acceptance and respect. And, yeah. uh, and that's one of the reasons why, I don't know about you, uh, Nathan, I have a hard time, even though I'm sure maybe with your partners, your your close friends, what have you, you vent about a circumstance with someone. But you're sure. venting so that you don't go to that person and say those things. You're right. just getting it off your chest, right? I think that's why we call it venting. So we need, we need those, those, those kinds of networks of individuals that we can turn to and also be there for others as well so that they can release that with permission, obviously, I mean, you know, it's like, you Nathan, look, I, I got to tell you about this person who did this, that, or the other thing. And I want to say that, da, 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 but I don't really want to do that because I know. So you kind of let it go and you're saying to me, yeah, go ahead, Richard. It's all right. You know, let it out. Let it out. And, you know, because you're A, I'll feel better. And B, yeah. I won't take that with me to that person. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's a testament to to how important people really are. So, for instance, if we feel that we need to vent, I mean, we could do that any old time. We could close the door and scream and say all the same words that you would say to a human being. But how do you feel afterward? Yeah. You might kind of yeah. still feel the same, but that is the appreciation that we have for someone who will listen, because even if they have nothing to respond, you just wanted to vent. You feel like someone took you seriously, validated your feelings and your thoughts. Isn't that one of the other challenges that we face today? in this time, in the decade of 20, of the Perfect Vision 2020, that the conversation is now coming out of what you just said. Whereas before it was, I don't care what your story is. I don't care how you came to believe that. I don't care. Any, because I believe no, no, no. that's starting to change, isn't it? Are you seeing that starting to change? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, people, uh, I think with everything that's happening politically and all this different stuff, when these things happen and come up, we're now sort of being pushed into this corner where we have to change it. We have to change how we're going to take this information. We can't just judge it anymore because everything that we've seen, I mean, especially in the media stuff, there's judgment and there's judgment and there's opinions and opinions and it's all given to you. And, and we don't necessarily reflect and have a moment where we're like, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, and sometimes when we do, we go, wait a minute, that just contradicts everything. So we can't do it anymore. And it has to, it is changing. I see it every single day. And like, you know, I work with many uh, senior executives uh, and their attitudes are changing about, like, like I think sometimes senior executives, they kind of have a reputation of just being a, about themselves. I'm gonna get myself to where I need to mm -hmm. go. But the truth is they have all the same fears and needs and everything that that all the rest of us do and attitudes are changing. So now minds are open about who we can talk to, who we can ask for help, that we can ask for help in the first place. We don't really have much of a choice. The economy has put us in this position. Uh, all that media stuff has put us in this position. Um, it's affected our professional lives, our personal lives. And it's not just in this country. It is around the world. We don't have a choice. Yeah. We have to actually yeah. modify our own behavior. Well, I'm glad that there are people like you around to help us to uh, to do that through, uh, in particular, your work through the 20-minute networking meeting. Learn to network, get a job. And a job. one of the other aspects before we wrap up uh, that I'd like for you to, to, to address, and that is that second half. Uh, we've already learned... Uh, how to network. We've learned how to hold a meeting. You've got this wonderful book and the chapters and everything. Now it's time to go out and get a job. And in a matter of speaking, uh, when I go for a job interview, if and of course sometimes it won't go that far because they look at the resume or the information they've been given about you and say, no, this person is not for us, for our company and so forth. But let's say I get to that interview. Isn't that along the same lines of a network meeting, even though it's only two? Or it could be three, because you may have other members of other departments there, too. Kind of, kind of. I mean, if we're just strictly talking information exchange, yeah, that's the overlap. And in, in an interview, you would also be expected to give someone of your background, right? So that people can understand what you're talking about. It's exactly what you do in a networking meeting, too. 
But in a networking meeting, if you are doing research, um, if you are asking informed questions, which is informed by your research, then you're asking very specific things. What you're actually doing is covering more ground about specific information you're hoping to gather here. When you're in an interview, what you're mostly doing is giving information in the other direction mm -hmm. because they're asking more about you as it relates to what they are looking for. So definitely there's overlap and basically anything that you would read in the 20 minute networking meeting is all stuff that you can use in the interview. Just instinctually, you'll know what pieces are going to go where. But so there's overlap, but they are, but they're different. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, I should probably clarify also an informational meeting. Mm -hmm. They're different. Some people will ask me, what's the difference between a networking meeting and an informational meeting? An informational meeting tends to be more about narrow and deep. So Richard, I'm gonna ask you everything about podcasting, specifically podcasting. A networking meeting, I might wanna know about podcasting, but what your career track look like or what else you end up doing with it. I'm covering more ground. Well, and to, to quote uh, Sergeant Schultz from uh, the old TV series, uh, Hogan's Heroes, I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> now, how many different types of, uh, this may sound like a strange question on one hand, but how many different types of meetings are there when it comes, and again, we'll, we'll keep it in the confines of business. Gosh, so you got a sales meeting, you got marketing meetings, you have business development meetings, you have cross-functional or internal uh, meetings, uh, you have... Uh, interviews, you have, gosh, uh, there's a bunch of different kinds okay. of meetings. What's interesting, though, is that all of them, it still comes down to one thing, information exchange. Okay, In that was meeting, the key. I need to tell you this. Yeah, that was here, you know, this meeting, I got to tell you this, and I need to learn this from you. Mm -hmm. you call it whatever you want. It's always going to be, in that context, an informational meeting. Yeah, you, very interesting. Yep. Um, let me ask you before we wrap things up uh, about your your background in, say, the business or corporate world, uh, your work history. Not necessarily. Uh, would you please read us your resume? But in yeah. terms of the experience and the lessons that you learned that you have been able to either a bring forward into the 20 minute networking meeting book, whether it be the professional, the executive or the graduate uh, uh, editions. Or through those experiences, the lessons you chose not to learn because, hey, that's not the way that this should should be because it doesn't it's not sustainable. It's not respectful. It's not a lot of things and so on. Right, right. Well, first, I'll say the biggest lesson that I learned out of all of my experiences is that it, it, it's all about the people. It's all about people. And I'll kind of go backwards. So these days, I'm an executive career job search coach. I've been doing this work for about seven, eight years. I'm a professional speaker in, in, in the career realm. Before I started working with individuals, I was in the retained executive search industry. Did that work for about 15 years. So uh, if you've ever heard of a headhunter or, or executive recruiter, yeah. that's the kind of industry. But I wasn't one of those. I was the research guy. I'm the guy who would go and find the candidates for the recruiters to go and recruit. Simultaneous to me doing all of this, and this goes back to my first career, I was a professional uh, actor and writer. I'm a union guy. I'm a formally trained actor, Bachelor of Fine Arts. And if you've ever heard that an artist has to have a, another job in order to survive, mm -hmm. that was definitely me. 
So I kind of developed this professional career concurrently with um, my theatrical career. I wasn't good with food service. I would forget to put in orders and all these different things. But as time went on, <laughs> I was the worst server. <laughs> and I learned that and I thought, okay, I need to learn these other skills. And I had this draw to business. So they kind of drew a parallel. And being in the entertainment industry, and Richard, I know that you uh, understand and agree with this, you kind of have to know people. Yeah. Something that's yeah. drilled into you, you got to go out there and network. That was always what was being said. So by the time I ended up getting into the executive search industry and meeting who is my co-author, Marsha, um, I had all this networking experience. And because she was in the retained search world, it was the same thing. It had to be around networking. All those things came together. And then once I left that industry and became a professional speaker, um, all of everything that I was doing theatrically, speaking in front of people, in front of cameras and so forth, came together as a professional speaker. I use those tools and skills all the time. And now with retrospect and that experience, I can help individuals by telling them, look, you know, this networking thing, for instance, it's just a skill. Mm -hmm. And it's like any other skill, it can be learned. Just needs a little bit of process and practice, but basically you're just having discussions. Yeah. We're talking with Nathan Perez. He is the co-author of The 20-Minute Networking Meeting, Learn to Network and Get a Job. It is at 20mnm.com so that you can uh, continue to find out more about Nathan, about the work that he and his co-author have done, Marcia, and we also hope that you will uh, maybe pick up a copy. Uh, before we close out here, what's the difference between the professional, the executive, and the graduate uh, book? Right, and you know there's also a veterans edition. They are all the same in the sense that where the examples are, where the stories are, the whole layout's all the same. They're just written in context for each respective leadership. So for instance, if you're a new graduate, uh, you know, you probably want to read the graduate version because it'll teach you more how to use your educational experience in a professional context, as opposed to read an executive uh, book, which is written with the, the lingo and the terminology of someone who has 10 plus years with a PL and and leadership in that way. Um, then there's the veterans one that is that was uh, from 2000, the end of 2019 that was published. That's pretty straightforward. Anybody who's coming back into the civilian world. Uh, and then the professional edition is for anybody who is not any of those others. <laughs> <laughs> OK, I got you. That's why I have the professional edition, because I ain't any of the others. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Nathan, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program and sharing your story and your insights uh, into business as well as relationships, because one of the things I have found so true is that even though this book and the various editions thereof are primarily for the business world, okay, in that respect, in the general sense, they still apply in almost every aspect of our lives. Uh, even For if sure. you're not going to use the specific techniques, the general concepts are still appropriate for for relationships, for friendships, even for acquaintance yeah. acquaintanceships that could develop into something more in in that regard. And I have been I have been so fortunate that to have met people over the years that have become very good friends. Uh, probably 
not only because of my personal disposition, but also because I have always felt um, there was a time when I really wasn't a team player. I really, and I, there are times I still like doing stuff on my own. But at the same time, I've worked with people that, man, I wish I could get back together with them again and do some more creating because it was so much fun. And they're still friends of mine. Uh, we still connect. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, uh, who lives back in Phoenix, uh, uh, his name is Mike, and he, uh, he and I worked together. He, I had a little studio set up in my office back at one radio station. Now, it wasn't your typical studio. It was an office, and I had a little mixer and microphones, and I had it plugged into the computer, and we could close my office door and record whatever we wanted, and we would get so blasted creative and playing with stuff, and it was so much fun. And, and yeah. another gentleman who I, I host, uh, co-host a program on this fine station, uh, it's called Skyview. Uh, his name is Dr. Sky, and he deals in space aviation, weather, and astronomy. And uh, I'm learning about those elements more so, but this man has had a passion since his childhood. And so the information he has is incredible. And, you know, supposedly people really love that show and, and what he has to bring. And he and I have been friends for I don't know, 20, both of these gentlemen, I've probably known for 20 or 25 years. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And I, there's a line from an old Harry Chapin song uh, that some along, somewhere along the lines goes, uh, um, I love the old friends more than the new friends because the old friends know where, you, you're, you know where you've been and they know where you're going. And it's not to yeah. disparage the new friends. Don't get me wrong. I, I did not hear that in the lyrics. What I heard was yeah. it's those old friends that they've been with you through those hard times. And hopefully the new friends will be there th with you as well and you with them through their hard times. So, um, And I have had great compliments on this program. And the last interview that I did was with a, a, a chief sergeant. Uh, from the Air Force, and we had a, an hour and a half interview, like you and I have just spoken for an hour and a half. And I could not believe the words that came out of his mouth when he said, "I can honestly call you my brother." And I just thought, "Wow, wow. that's wow. the kind of exchange that that touches. That's the kind of an exchange. No, it's not monetary, but it's not all about money, folks. Is it? Right. Is it? You sure, Nathan? It's not all about money." <laughs> I am dead sure. Yep, <laughs> it is not about the money. Okay. <laughs> well, but but wasn't it Tom Cruise who said, "Show me the money"? Come on, Nathan, show uh, me the money. That was Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> that was him. <laughs> I, uh, one final question: Can you give us your best Shakespeare of "To Be or Not to Be"? Uh, I can give you no noble mistress. Tis fresh morning with me when you are by at night. I do beseech you chiefly that I may set it in my prayers. What is your name? Uh, admired Miranda, uh, what's dearest to the world, and I think there's some more after that. <laughs> now, when was the last time you performed that? Well, it's going to date me, Richard. Probably, uh, it's good. It's got to be at least ten years. Okay, so you've held on to that in your memory for all this time. Now, I, yeah, it's still in there. That's one of the things that is so incredible to me, and I have so much respect for actors and uh, who they, they I, I don't know that I would be able to do that because I haven't mastered the art of memorizing. Um, huh. My acting coach back in Phoenix years ago used to tell me, what you want to do is you want to paint a, a picture in your mind of those words. You want to paint the story in your mind so that when you're saying the words, you see the story. 
Now that's yep. just one technique, you know. And I have a very vivid man, imagination, but uh, that's one I would really have to work on. Um, so when I'm watching television programs or movies, I'm actually seeing if I can create those stories, or am I hearing the story and I, can I see that story in my mind's yeah. eye when I'm listening to the dialogue? Uh, so yes. I have a great deal of respect for you and other uh, fellow actors who uh, who can remember after years. And obviously that must have been something that you performed that was meaningful to you, that really struck a chord with you, that you've remembered those words. For sure, for sure. And the writing itself can kind of lend itself toward that as well. I mean, you, you can get really absorbed in it once you click with it and you understand what's being said. Because it's like you're saying, that visualization, it sticks. And when that sticks, it makes memorizing material much easier because it looks more like a visual, like a movie. This is uh, Ben. Tell me your story. New paradigms for a new world. I have been here with uh, Nathan Perez, and uh, we have been talking about the twenty-minute networking meeting. That is twenty mnmcom the website that you can go to. We hope that you will uh, to find out more about what it takes to hold a meeting that's going to have long-lasting effects for you as well as all of the participants. Whether it's on Zoom or any other platform, or hopefully soon. In that conference room, in that meeting room, uh, out around a picnic table, out at the break area, whatever, uh, so that uh, you can facilitate a more productive, cohesive uh, workplace for everybody involved. And uh, I think that uh, that's one of the things I think you would agree with, Nathan, is, is uh, that we can do that through the work that you have provided, that you have done through the work and the book that you have provided. I, just have, I do have three final questions I like to ask my guests. Before I do, though, I am going to uh, share with our listeners uh, that uh, this, of course, is Tell Me Your Story. We uh, are on um, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., including this special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And we are podcasting on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations, as well as uh, providing you with an opportunity, if you like what we're doing, if it resonates with you and you'd like to support us financially, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, I am humbled by those who are willing to part with the money. Uh, they show the money, and it's it's more than it's more than that. They're showing their appreciation to the work that we're doing, and thank you for doing that. That's why we have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours, and also participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. It may become the Roaring Twenties once everybody's allowed to run out and 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 mask free have fun and 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 be uh, be jovial and hug and kiss and all of that good stuff uh we may do the roaring 20s of the 21st century and uh, that will be a lot of fun i'm sure just do it carefully and safely as well uh so spend that time going within uh before you go without and 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 and, and have a, a raucous raucously good time uh find listen to that still small voice and find that calm, peaceful place uh, where you can really uh, refocus your intentions and your energies. My final three questions for you are, number one, who is Nathan Perez? Oh my gosh, that's a deep question, Richard. <laughs> who am I? Uh, characteristically, uh, I'm a guy who cares about other people. I think I found my life mission in, in, in that uh, I'm supposed to help people learn how to connect with one another for the sake of just connecting. Second question, and once again, you may have answered this, but I ask it just the same. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? 
I would like to, and I'm starting to see this, I'd like to see other people really connecting with other people. I've had the opportunity across industries and at different levels to see how other people are helping other people for the sake of helping and how that actually translates to success, monetary and, and, and otherwise. And a final a question. Deal. Final question. What, uh, what is your life's purpose? I think I'm in it. Uh, it's been, I've had 10 years just kind of seeing this develop and I get to work with people across the spectrum at all different ages. And, and I get to see the commonality between them and, and put them together. Sometimes that's personally putting together. Sometimes they read the material and realize, hey, you know, I think it's worth going out there and meeting people that I never thought I'd meet before. Well, Nathan Perez, thank you again for joining us on the program. It's been a great pleasure. I hope we can have you back again to talk more about the work that you are doing. And maybe we'll get uh, Marsha on here one of these days as well to, uh, to join us and get a, a woman's sure. perspective as well. Because I know that there are different aspects and attributes when it comes to the male-female dynamics uh, that are extremely important for us to understand. So, again, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much, Richard. I really enjoyed the conversation. I'm Richard Dugan, and this has been Tell Me Your Story, a special edition bringing you new paradigms for a new world and choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.